The I Madiba Project is a global art project that celebrates the legacy of Nelson Mandela. It is quite apt then that for a very important conversation, we come to the very gateway to the Robben Island, where Nelson Mandela was incarcerated for the majority of his imprisonment. We're going to have an important conversation around education, because Sanlam, a key supporter of the I Madiba Project, allows us to have macro conversations in these micro spaces that are safe. Our macro conversation today is around the very important topic of education. We know very well that South Africa continues to spend the largest share of its GDP on education. The question is, are we preparing our children for the future job? And the panelists who are going to help me discuss this conversation, they include Dr. Tsepiso Matenji, registered educational psychologist, life coach and trainer, Kiara Negan, Google Science Fair Grand Prize winner, Times Top 30 Most Influential Teens, Youth STEM Advocate. 2018 Global Teen Leader as well as TEDx Speaker. Nosipo Mele, lecturer at the University of Guazul Natal. She also tutors high school pupils in Nyanga Township where she started her Mentor Me to Success initiative by inviting fellow UCT students to coach township learners and to help with their tertiary applications. And then Kainin Zuguma is a CEO of Glacier by Sanlam but also a previous high school teacher. Hello everyone and welcome. Morning. Morning. Let's start with you, Sepiso. Do we have an appreciation of what the future job is going to be and therefore are we starting to prepare our young kids, our learners, our students for that job? I think if you look at the conversations that are happening globally about the fourth industrial revolutions, there seems to be an awareness and conversations about what we need to do to prepare our kids to be ready to deal with future careers. But if you look at what happens within the nucleus of the home and where kids interact with ordinary human beings, not necessarily. And I think as a parent, for example, you are more focused in your getting your children to behave well and getting them to pass and, you know, progress to the next grade. You're not necessarily thinking about what it is that I need to prepare them to get there because you're dealing with the daily hassles of daily life. And those types of conversations need to be happening so that we actually understand that most of what they're going to be doing in the future, we're not necessarily even informed about what those careers will be. And who should be having those conversations? We we know that the president has given a directive that we need to start thinking in this space. Yeah. So he's showing leadership in that space. But, but who else should be having these conversations? Ordinary human beings. The kids themselves, the youth themselves should be having these conversations. Parents especially, because the types of conversations you have and the types of activities you include within your home environment make the child understand that I can do more. The type of stimulation that you provide makes them see your possibilities beyond what you've been exposed to. So that when they start having dreams beyond what you've ever imagined, you can say, no, you can't do that. That's not a real career. You understand that they can have multiple careers. But I think more importantly within my field exactly, it's about how you stimulate the child to think outside of the box, to think creatively also how they develop the emotional resilience to deal with whatever lies throws at them so that they are able to have cognitive flexibility to think outside the box to land on their feet to think on their feet but also to be able to solve problems without relying on ready-made solutions and when we do that we get them to get prepared and we expose them to situations that will expand in that way thank you for that episode we'll explore in a moment your work that you're doing currently and how it can help in preparing kids Kiara you're the youngest of the panel do you have a handle on what your future job is going to be? I definitely think that my future job is going to be in technology. I think one of the things President Ramaphosa said was that AI technology coding is something that we're all going to experience in our future and I definitely think that that's what my future holds. Computer science and bioengineering is things that I'm very interested in. 
You're quite passionate about making sure that particularly girl children are exposed to STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and uh, mathematics, from as young an age as possible. Why is that important to you? I think when you don't have girls involved in STEM, what you basically have is a country that has half the amount of innovation that it could possibly have. And I think we should start moving the question from why should girls get involved into STEM to why aren't they involved in STEM? Why aren't we getting all this rich ideas from girls that are ultimately going to make STEM and innovation a much better place and experience for a lot of people. Nasipo, Kiara is lucky enough to to be alert to what the future might actually realize for her and she's already putting in place those interventions now to prepare herself for that. You work in Nyanga. It's a township that is more known for the crime elements than it is for education. Are those young kids that you're exposed to on a daily basis alert to what is going to happen in the future? I think a lot of our youth in communities that do not have the resources that would enable them to to realize the potential and their capabilities do not necessarily have such opportunities but I think the work that NPOs and NGOs are doing in the communities is to sort of help those young people realize their potential and also see that they can also be prepared for the future that is coming and the work with Mentor Me to Success particularly is sort of helping each other so that those who are already in university can help those who don't even think that they can qualify to get into university, not necessarily because they cannot in terms of their results, but because of the situation that is around them. But when you find another person who says, hey, I lived in a township, I grew up in a rural setup, but I am at UP now, I'm at UCT now, and it doesn't matter that you don't have the money, but you can study absolutely everything because our government and other major sectors like the private sector are really working to give those opportunities to young people. So it's definitely possible. And the intervention of the Mentor Me program, for example, what, what benefits are you already realizing from it? I think the major benefit, which was the vision for the project, is seeing the young person who has been assisted by another young person. Maybe, for example, a second-year student at a university will help a matric student register, get into university, apply for funding. And the same person who is now a first-year goes back to their community and assists another person to get into university. So that sort of ripple effect becomes very important because as Dr. Zepiso is saying, everybody is a stakeholder when it comes to ensuring that our education is realized for every young person in the country. Well, Kanye Nosipo is lucky enough to, when she's not intervening in Nyanga Township, to be lecturing university students. That's a different mindset I imagine to the one you previously held as a high school teacher because high school kids think they know what they want but really they don't do they? Yeah I forgot I think for me what we normally see is that new graduates that come to the work environment they not often work ready so what you find they book ready because they studied they've qualified and the skills that you need in a computer environment becomes quite a caring gap I mean for instance things like you know assimilation of information logic you know instruction you know to make sure you understand what you're saying, report writing skills, those things are often quite lacking. So I think for me the big challenge is these things need to be brought in at foundation level and high school level, you know. So when you educate people, what do you educate them for? So these kids, we need to educate them to understand, to have insight and to be able to read with understanding instead of now just going through a process and you finish and you qualify. So that, that, that is a big gap. 
And how do we feel it? Because you, you've made the switch to, to come to the corporate world where ultimately you'll be employing these young learners who become university students and graduates who then come into the employment field. Are we seeing foundation phase teachers who are implementing some of the ideas that you'd like to see realized? I think to me that's probably a big gap because in SA you've got a very big gap between it is now what we need and what we have. And I mean, interestingly, you see this in financial services. For instance, if you take two careers that are extremely important for us, actuarial science and, and data scientists. So we normally don't find enough of these skills because the kids are not prepared for them. So for me, the challenge is we need to almost systematically think as a country in terms of now the kind of career and, and opportunities we have in future and to say, where is our economy going and what skill sets do we need? And then how do we as a country go back and say, from a foundation level, from a high school level, from an undergraduate level, from a postgrad level, what kind of skill sets we need for the economy? You need to think cautiously, for instance, how many kids do we want? What's the percentage we want them to be engineers, you know, to be doctors, to be teachers? And cautiously, the system must actually build the school curriculum and the outcomes to make sure that you can deliver the skill sets, you know, that you need. I think that's a wider discussion I think we need to have as a country. And I imagine corporates need to be part of the solution, right? We can't just leave it to Angie Mochecha and the Ministry of Basic uh, Education and the nine provincial education departments. Uh, surely, Sanlam, for example, can come in and intervene at the, at the space where they feel most effective for a very successful intervention. That is a very important Africa. In fact, we're actually doing that. In Sanlam, as part of the Sanlam Foundation, we've got this blue schools ladder project. Basically, we started this in 2016. It's a five-year program. And I think for me, it's, a, it's an excellent project to show how a corporate can actually contribute at community level to make sure you get the right skill sets. Now, for instance, as part of this program, we adopted 75 schools and we've touched 71,000 kids and almost spent about 78 million up to now. Now, the interesting thing about it, what we believe in, I mean, obviously, as Salam, we're in a piece of financial planning for the future, to assist people for the future. But what we believe, you can't create people for the future and get them to save if you don't create an ability for them to earn. Now, to create an ability for them to earn, you must create an ability for them to learn. So out of that now, so we started this project, identified these 75 schools, mainly the townships, and probably four objectives. So the first objective we say, you've got to have a healthy, safe school. Then the second thing is we say, you must have healthy food. Because I mean, some of these kids come from very poor environments. They go to school. The only meal, the same meal that they have, is a meal that they've got at school. Then the third thing we say, there must be good leadership at the schools. Then the fourth element, we say there must be infrastructure and water sanitation support for the schools. So what you see is, for instance, we've got a mass literacy block. Because we say the most important thing with education, you must capacitate around mathematics. Because these critical skills that we need must make sure every kid excels in mathematics. Then the second element, we invest in infrastructure. We've renovated, interestingly, out of the 75 schools, we've fixed 2,000 toilets over two years, you know? The third element, it's, 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 it's around leadership. We've taken about 240 teachers through leadership development. And obviously the last one now is around nutrition. We make sure we feed these schools, these kids, on a daily basis, almost about 2,000 kids per day. That's amazing. And Sapisa, what it, what it highlights is the fact that there is no resistance to the future. They're just, people don't know how to grapple with it, right? 
There isn't. The, the, the fortunate thing, especially about our country, is that when you make these types of opportunities and resources available, you will be amazed at the potential that is unleashed. Now, the thing is, a lot of kids do not have access to these resources. A lot of parents do not have this information. And I think campaigns that are seeking to begin the conversations and raise information and raise awareness that it's not just about having these facilities only, that in how you speak to your child, what you read to your child, the types of toys, the types of games that don't need to be expensive, and from while you are still watching this child crawl, you can stimulate them in that way. You are creating these opportunities. Because these, I mean, the STEM uh, um, subjects, not that we want everybody to do science, maths, and, uh, and technology. We want them to think differently. We want them to think out of the box. And you do that cultivating from the beginning, that you can use that brick and make it as a car. That's creative thinking. That when that child is using your Tupperware to knock, knock, knock and make sound, you can stimulate that because that is part of making the, bl- the brain to learn and to be very flexible in how it solves problems and find simple things, simple ways of solving things and, and making, creating your imagination and living in it. So we want to encourage that and not just wait for government and other corporates to make resources available. In the way that you structure your home and how you bring your kids up, you can stimulate this. That's actually critical because Nosipo working in Nyanga will not have homes that have access to tablets, to Wi-Fi, and we often think that in getting our children ready for a future job, you have to have access to technology. But that's not true. No. You can literally work with whatever you have in your home whatever to create you have that environment. Now, let's not underplay the, 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 the importance of these resources. Absolutely. They make the child develop faster and it makes it makes it possible. It allows you to also come up with new ways that you never thought were possible. It makes life easier. It gets you solutions very quickly. I mean, before there were there were encyclopedias. When you, want to, when you have a question, you're trying to do an assignment at school, you open an encyclopedia, you get that information. Right now, it's at the tip of your hands. So you're giving someone an advantage when they have access to this technology. And a child who doesn't have it is also disempowered because now they don't know what it is that they do not know. And the key thing about education in terms of thinking out of the box is you have to be aware that you don't know. And when you know you do not know, then you go around seeking. But how do you go around seeking and thinking outside of the box when you don't even know that you don't know? Yeah. Can you? I think I just want to add on something that Tabiso said. So I think for me, I've been running a business for quite a while now, and you've got different resources. So you understand, you can have technology, you can have tablets, and then obviously you've got people. So the biggest thing for me is the role of the parent in, in as part of the stakeholder, in make sure you develop this child. I mean, we can have these things in schools, but if the parents are not involved in, in, in contributing and make sure you instill the right values, the right culture, the outputs you get at, at, at school are not going to help. You know, I mean, I think back, growing up in the town, educated parents, but because at that time they didn't understand that they had to play a role in, in my development. Yes, they pay the fees, but would not be there in terms of sport, would not do their homework. Now, to me, that's a very important role that we, we need to discuss maybe, yeah. No, without a doubt. Let's, let's bring in Nosipo then in, into that because in the community you're working in, often the parent, if they're lucky enough to be employed, is away for long periods of time. So not even able to be at home to be able to say, what did you learn? How are you grappling with that? It's very challenging being or living rather in a, a community that doesn't have the resources that you would want as a parent for your child because that means that 
for example, parents would find that better schools for their children are in the CBD and you probably live 30 to 40 Ks. You also work even further from where you stay. So your child and yourself wake up in the morning. You'll go two different parts. One travels for an hour. One travels for more than an hour, maybe just to get to their place of work. And you come back at night. So you actually do not have the time to sit down with your child to find out what is happening in your child's life when it comes to education. But again, with people who have lived in communities where they were able to get out and find better opportunities for themselves and their children, they may have work that allows them to say, look, I can't attend the meeting today because I'm going to my son's soccer game. But how many people actually do have that opportunity, you know? And just touching back on what uh, Kanye was saying, that in terms of the professional practice and the work that is done by the higher education institutions, it's very important, for example, the private sector and the work that is done in higher education institutions to collaborate in one way or the other to sort of bridge that gap because our youth need to be trained or capacitated so that they are able to compete on an international stage. And the work that is being done um, at, at foundation phase level at primary school is very, very important because they need to match up to the demand, the rigor, uh, that is needed and required at university, for example, or other higher education institutions. So the curriculum that is being offered at basic education needs to always be refined so that our learners, when they get to university, they are able to sort of be harnessed and chiseled in a way that when they graduate, they are work ready. And I guess that's another um, conversation that uh, the private sector or the public sector and universities are also having. I couldn't agree with, with that more. I want to bring it to the home now, Kiara. How important has the support of your parents and your extended family been to your success? I mean, I'm glad somebody brought that up because I think for me personally, having parents that have been supportive of um, things like research and things like innovation have been extremely important in my life. And I think that's what's essential to getting people, um, kids especially, involved in innovation and the fourth industrial revolution. When you don't have these strong people to look at, these mentors, it makes all these things very much more difficult. And I think um, one of the other reasons that I wanted to bring up was that you have people going into universities but is actually doing research on this uh, a couple months ago is that in South Africa we have over 50% of kids almost dropping out of university and that's a big number that essentially you get these kids getting into university but if they're not able to perform is that really something that we're trying to move towards and you look at the reasons for these things and I think it's it's a bit deeper than just putting kids into university. As you mentioned, it's secondary education that you really have to see, are they prepared for what they're learning in university? Well, in Dr. Blaine Zimande, we have a Minister of Higher Education, Science and Technology, who uh, deeply appreciates the role of vocational training and really sees that as a solution to some of the more immediate socioeconomic challenges that, that, that we are facing. Are you clever because of your mom or your dad? I think... (laughs) 
I, I don't think I want to say it. I wanna... <laughs> because they're going to be watching this. They're going to watch it, yeah. I hear you. But, but I suppose speaking to the earlier point, yeah. uh, are, they, are they able to, to, to be excited about technology as you are? Or as Tepiso was saying, yeah. were they able to create an environment for you to allow your brain and imagination to go anywhere you wanted to go? Yeah, I think for a lot of South African kids, um, a lot of us are grown up in this environment that a lot of us are made to believe that we're not necessarily good on an international level and so I'm currently at Stanford and I can tell you that most South African kids are just as good as any of those kids at Stanford and you look at it and you think that if they had the opportunities they would be there and I think we live in this um, this environment that tells us we're not as good, we don't, we're not thinking out of the box. But the truth is, if we are given the resources, we can think as just as good as anybody else. Uh, Nosipo, you were awarded the... You met the Queen, didn't you? I met the Queen. Tell us about that. <laughs> um, so I guess it was through the Mentor Me to Success program that I had started with the uh, young kids of... Um, Nyanga Township and that project was realized and was recognized uh, by the Queen and it was such a privilege to actually go to the Buckingham Palace and receive that award. Uh, but Just I, to be clear we're talking about the Queen of England. Her Majesty. Her Majesty. At okay. the Buckingham Palace. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was a very good experience for me mostly because of the international connections from other young people in other countries. Um, because it was recognizing people who are doing work in the Commonwealth countries. And there are so many young people just under the age of 30 who are really pushing in their communities, uh, trying to make things better. And I think seeing those people, I mean, that's like part of the reason why when I came back, I'm like, there are so many people who are who were 25 at the time or even under and they were doing their PhD. And I'm like... What am I doing with my life? You know, I'm doing a PhD today. So I sort of got so much seeing other people in other countries that are more impoverished than South Africa doing much to make their countries a better place. And I thought coming back, that is the one thing that I took that I'm constantly asking myself, how can I make things better? with all the challenges that we face, but there are opportunities as well. And I raise it because we need to celebrate our achievements more, don't we? Uh, It's so much easier to be so depressed by the headlines and the stories of violence in schools and teachers who are not showing up, whatever the case may be. And yet there are these incredible pockets of excellence that are being experienced all over South Africa at the moment. A lot, a lot. And um, it was also very encouraging to be at the Buckingham Palace to step out and see like for example an SABC sort of anchor standing there next to you speaking in your language uh, so far away from home just to know that there are actually people in your country who are covering the story who are rooting for you and it wasn't just me I mean we were the first three with two other ladies but that project has run for four years and it has realized talent in South Africa going to the Buckingham Palace every year and that's such a very good thing for our country to be recognized that there are people who are very young and who are actually trying to make their country a better place. So whenever we think of the fourth industrial revolution, we think artificial intelligence, we think machinery, we think systems, we think not having to get up and get out of your bed in order for you to earn some money, right? 
what will be the soft skills that will be required for whoever takes up that job to be successful at it? Uh, Let me begin with a simple one. Being able to observe, recognize, and hmm, in my village, this is not working. There's a problem here. And even though I'm a little child, I want to ask why is that thing happening the way that it is? By asking why and why not? What if? And being in a family and in a community that encourages to ask those questions allows you to go and experiment. What if I take this and I take that? I might break a couple of things along the way, but that people are understanding that, oh, this one, you know, maybe it's a bit crazy and adventurous. Allowing that space because those are soft skills that you don't necessarily teach you. We can't teach you how to think out of the box. We can't teach you how to ask questions, but we can encourage it by asking you, why did you ask that? What did you mean when you said that? And when a child asks you, why are you doing things the way that you're doing them? For you to take the time to answer it. So questioning is one of those things. Observation is the other one. The other thing is being given the safe space to explore and experiment. And it does mean that for us as parents and as teachers and as adults, we become a bit more flexible and relaxed in how we parent. Because we might think that the child who questions and experiments and explores, they get they might get themselves hurt. Yes, that's true. But they might also discover something that we never thought about. So we need to create that safety to say, go ahead, my child, go and check that. Why did you do that? Why did you so that you're curious and in you asking questions, you are encouraging them more to experiment. They have to take risks. And yes, Ben, a few fingers, not hopefully not the whole body, but for them to be able to learn. But then you would need to be comfortable as a parent that no matter what, I will be there to cover my child. Because for a lot of kids, that emotional safety to explore, the security to know that I'm, if somebody has got my bag, they lack it because they are afraid to venture out. They are afraid to speak out to the teacher and say, no, sir, I didn't get to that solution in that way. My method was different. And why is mine not as good as yours? Why, why are you doing it that way? We don't encourage our kids to stand up to be assertive. So some of those um, soft skills become important and we need to nurture them. But it does mean it challenges our parenting style because we might have to be able to think she's not disrespecting me, she's just questioning. How do I nurture it without making her become aggressive and disrespectful, you know? And I suppose as a parent, we need to to be able to say, I don't know. Yeah. Let's go and find Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Why? Well, how did you come up with that? Tell me how you did it. And have this curiosity and that love to show that I really am interested. I'm not just reading my phone or following Twitter. I'm interested in what you're going through. The other part is that we would also have to be comfortable with the fact that we have no clue where this child in 19 or 20 years time, what they will be doing. And it's okay. It's not a threat on your ego. It doesn't mean you're not important when you don't have the answers. So you do need to be comfortable and be self-assured as a parent that it is okay for this child to know things that I don't know. And I'm willing to learn from my child. I have a funny story to share. My grandmother started with me as an auditor with one of the leading business insurance firms. And I was wearing a suit every day and carrying a laptop to work every single day. I then went to go teach at the University of Cape Town before I became a broadcaster with Cape Talk. And the idea that I'll go to work wearing jeans and a t-shirt like to her that just that's not work I was not working for a number of years as far as she concerned yes she saw the money coming in but I was not working at all let me ask this now let's imagine that you each have been invited to a um, 
a meeting with President Cyril Ramaphosa, Dr. Andrew Mochecha, the Minister of Basic Education, as well as Dr. Blaine Zimande, the Minister of Higher Education. And they're looking for advice from you as to how this administration can help prepare the learner that's in school right now, the student that's in university right now for a future job. What, what advice would you give them, Kai? So I'll probably go back to what I said earlier. So I think for me, I would probably say to them, start to understand the future of work you know, not in five or ten years, maybe 30 years from now, to understand what the economy will need, what skills it will need. I mean, that's the first thing. Obviously, that will include having trust with the private sector, understand where the economy is going. Once you've done that, I'll say invest in the infrastructure of the schools because, I mean, we do know when you look, for instance, at modern C schools and you compare, for instance, with schools in the township, I mean, the environments are completely different. Now, obviously, that plays a lot in motivation and focus. Then the third one, I would say, invest in the quality of the teachers. You know, I, I just feel sometimes, I mean, being an ex-teacher, I mean, you've been a teacher yourself. I don't think we, for me, an educator is probably the most important career, you know? So, I mean, as a country, we should be, those jobs, I mean, I know, for instance, in countries like New Zealand, I mean, those jobs are highly aspirational. We should be paying the best. We should make sure we invest in education for those teachers, get them to have, you know, masters and all these key criteria. But, I mean, your whole nation, depends on those and the quality of those teachers. So I think if you look at South Africa, the outcomes, lots of money spent in education, but the outcomes are not what it should be. And for me, a lot of it is going to do around with people part of it, not necessarily the infrastructure. Quality of your teachers, quality of education, aligning your education outcomes with what your economy needs. I mean, we all know there's thousands of kids that finish at, at, at high school, at university, but with qualifications are not relevant to what the economy needs, you know? Yeah. Well, lastly, I will say to them, invest in assisting parents with skills, with tools, to actually spend a bit of time with their kids. Obviously, we think the challenges of now web context, you know? And, well, I mean, kids need that nurturing environment, a subtle environment at home, that now also goes to, goes to work. I, I really agree. Um, and I just want to add on the curriculum aspect, especially in our basic education. I think... Our curriculum in South Africa is one of the things that I think should be constantly being developed. You know how technology, there's always a 1.0 or 2.0. In the next few months, there's a 3.0 because they are always trying to make it better. I think with our education system, particularly at basic education, can also go through the same process of always being refined because, you know, in other countries, there is that thing that when a, a person finishes their matric, some don't even have to go to university. They are capable enough to start something for themselves. So we don't necessarily have to take all our, our youth into university, but developing that entrepreneurial spirit, spirit within the basic education, by the time they get to matric, they're already starting something for themselves and looking at those small business opportunities, your CEDA, your NYDA, making all those things available for our, for our youth, it will really, really shape our country. And it really there. highlights the important question of is the academic qualification attained through a three-year, four-year degree program at university is still the way that we're going to be acquiring knowledge? Or am I going to go into a market and go, I need a skill now to be able to steer that ship from there to there. Here's a short course I can take, master it, and then just go out and actually... Definitely. When a person it. knows what they want, they may not need to take 132 
uh, degree or like 60 credits or whatever. They may not have to do all of those things. They may just have to take one course to sharpen that particular skill, even for a year, and then they just move into the profession uh, or even not because some uh, professions you just need the experience. There is no other way to learn until you actually get your hands dirty. And if we push our curriculum to help our learners understand that from an early age, by the time they finish matric, they are writing business plans, they are having those opportunities to, to develop businesses because that's what our country needs. They're always talking about small businesses, startups, and we can have 18-year-olds do it. And of course, Kiara, the president will be happy that this is a working harbor where you're getting a lot of construction in the background and boats that are sailing past. But if you were to sit down with him and the ministers of basic education and higher education and science and technology, what advice would you offer him and his administration for preparing the young learner for a future job? Well, I think the suggestion that they have currently are on the right track. We're at this position where over 80% of the jobs we know now are not going to be jobs in 20 years. So equipping our students with the necessary skills to allow them to get those jobs in the future is absolutely necessary. I think there's a fine line to tread between how do we teach the kids things like coding and artificial intelligence but still get them the, get them the correct skills to still live in the moment. And I think finding that correct balance is essential. But I think another thing is that is very important is to teach the kids how to question, how to ask the questions. Because as you mentioned earlier, is that when you have artificial intelligence and really robust solutions to things like that, using technology, finding answers to those questions is not going to be important. Asking those questions to see how we can improve our environment, that's what's going to be important. So teaching teachers how to mentor kids to allow them to explore and ask those questions. That's what I think our schools need. And Sepiso, what me, advice would you offer him? Firstly, it's early childhood development because for most of the kids, we fail them there. We fail them in stimulating their brains to make sense of things, to look at things differently, to make connections, to process, to retain it, and then to apply it, and then to reflect on what it is. So early childhood development becomes very important. The second one for me is the salaries of teachers. We need teachers who are motivated, who are happy, who feel valued. More often when I meet with a teacher, they'll say, I hear what you want me to do for the child, Sepiso, but what about me? I don't, I don't know how to afford the fees to my children's schools. I'm not happy where I'm working. I've got a lot of admin to do. So we need to take care of our teachers because if they're not, they're not feeling taken care of, they're not going to show that love and care on the kids that they're teaching. The last one is indigenous knowledge systems. We are in Africa. It's the most exciting place to be in. Everything that we have around us belongs to us. We keep looking at outside and third and first world countries to develop what it is that we need to do in terms of our education and, and economies and we borrow. What about cultivating care? Make our young people understand that we've got a lot of wealth. How can they develop industries and then using vocation-oriented training to cultivate the science and the technology and whatever innovations you need given what we have at home. Let's stop looking to the West to determine where we're going. Let's look at what we have here. I've got a five-year-old nephew who is the apple of my eye. He can get whatever he wants out of me, including a good education. I need, as a takeaway from this conversation, one thing that each and every one of you are excited about in the space where there are projects that are currently in play that are preparing our kids for the future, that there's a 
a, a policy conversation dialogue that is already being engaged in that will realize this kind of thing. So I need, I need, I need to be excited when I look at my five-year-old and say, you've got a bright future ahead of you. So I'll start again with you. Ah. <laughs> what is exciting you at the moment in this space? As a psychologist, the first thing that comes to me is about how men, how people irrespective of age and gender are willing to bond at an emotional level and make kids feel safe to just express their emotions and not let that intimidate me. So if you want to be that excited with your nephew, can you please sit on the floor and have him con- have contact with you, confide in you, laugh with you, tickle you, and actually be able to amaze you with whatever the imagination brings to them. Including painting Batman. That was his latest yes. achievement, and by the way. and plaiting your hair. And plaiting your hair. <laughs> That's yes. true. Kiara? I think one of the things that is very important to tell him or to let him understand is that he doesn't have to grow up to work in a company or do something. He can grow up, he can start the company, he can change industries, and he can change South Africa and innovate and make it better. He doesn't have to work in a specific industry. He can make new industries. Though South Africa is his oyster, the world is his oyster. Nasipa, what's exciting you um, about you this space? You just actually made me think of the research that I'm working um, in developing new teacher pedagogies in the classroom and looking at the five-year-old being in a classroom with a teacher who uses creative and playful pedagogies for them to allow them to sort of think creatively and know that they don't always have to sort of color within the box or within the lines. So I really think that being allowed to do that as a child to explore is very important. Can you, you get the final word? What is exciting me, especially in the past 18 months, it's um, citizen activism. So whether it's individuals, whether it's corporates, uh, in terms of now what we need to fix a country. And, and I think what we need, we need an education in Daba, where we can get all the key stakeholders, sit down, craft a vision for our country from an education perspective, and start to apply this backwards. And all these things that we discuss here, whether it's around parent involvement, government involvement, corporate involvement, and can make us to be aligned and to create the future that we want. The reality is education will always be the game changer. If we want to fix this country and have a prosperous future for future generations, education is going to be a key player without a doubt. We need to get that right. Here we have four amazing individuals who have some great ideas of what we need to be thinking about, what we need to be implementing right now to start preparing our kids for the future. What conversations are you having? We invite you to come and be at the Aymadiba project and have this conversation. And who knows, collectively, we could create a brighter future for our kids.